At our core, we all want to fit in. Nobody likes being an outcast. We see people having fun, being included in the crowd, and we want that for ourselves. It is then we face a choice. Are we prepared to do what is necessary to gain that acceptance? Sometimes it is as easy as just going over and introducing ourselves, but other times it might mean engaging in behaviors we think are wrong. Yet that pull to feel included is strong, and sometimes we're tired of being alone. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Paradigm Switch, where we discuss modern-day problems for modern-day Christians. By sharing our personal triumphs and struggles in our faith walk, we hope to offer encouragement for you to continue yours. The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ, but in order to be different, we first have to think different. We hope you enjoy the episode. All right, hello, Paradigmers. You are listening to another episode of The Paradigm Switch. We are the number one Christian podcast on earth and heaven's favorite podcasters we encourage our heavenly family in christ here to renew their minds and to think right side up we're on facebook we're on instagram several of the podcast listening platforms apple part podcast iHeartRadio, google podcast etc so like us follow with us share with us give us your comments give us your feedback we like to uh, see what our listeners think of what we're talking about And speaking of that, today we are going to be discussing a topic that I think comes up quite often, uh, especially in areas like we live in, which are very uh, metropolitan, very secular in nature. And that issue is feeling alone while walking the Christian life. Yes, that is a very harsh feeling when you are feeling like you are totally alone and you are trying to do the right thing and you have no support. Yeah, it, it definitely can get very difficult, can feel very discouraging, feeling like you're trying to swim upstream, and it gets tiring after a time, to be honest. Now, have you gone through a period where you felt like you were totally alone by yourself, where you kind of went through that kind of haze or whatever you want to call it? Yeah, when I was in grad school, when I was younger, it just felt like I was the only believer I knew in my immediate circle, other than you, of course. Yeah. So I wasn't totally alone, but there would be times and days where it'd be like a tough day at work and You'd be at the gym or something. It's just like, oh, I feel like I'm the only believer here on this campus. And it just is really, really tough. Yeah. I know I went through a season of feeling like I was really alone um, when I was in high school. That was around like the time I really like dedicated myself to like studying on my own outside of like my parents kind of forcing me and saying like you should do this. That was kind of that period of when my relationship with God was becoming personal. And it just went through a time period where I felt like I was alone. Like the people who I thought were my friends, they weren't really there for me anymore. And it seemed like they disappeared. And, you know, I said before, you know, I'm a pastor's kid. And sometimes when you're a pastor's kid, you know, people, you know, they talk to you, they associate with you. But there's always this kind of. Um, lingering or a hesitancy to become close to the pastor's kids. It's a bit of a wall. Exactly. I know I have one for a sense of protection from things I've gone through, and I'm pretty sure people have it as well from those in leadership and the pastoral kind of family because, you know, sometimes they don't want you to see them in a certain light. They kind of want to, you know, come off a certain way. So, yeah, I have gone through that where I felt lonely both kind of with people in the world and then even in relating to my brothers and sisters in the Christ in the church. Yeah, I felt that way, too, in, in college, now that you're speaking about this, and that idea where you put up a wall. So I was a resident advisor when I was in college for like all of my upper years. So I was always in charge of that hallway in that 
dorm building, and there definitely had to be a wall between myself and my residents um, because I was in a position of authority. So you you want to be respected. I mean, you want to you want to be close to your residents so they can come to you with problems, but you also need to make sure that you appear strong to them and not weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there is that bit of a wall there. And so it, when you're an RA, it can be kind of hard to make friendships at a college campus. I have found. Uh, except with your fellow RAs and other people maybe who are not in the dorms with you. Um, Being an introvert, trying to find friends outside of fellow RAs was a little tough for me. So it was definitely a a tough, tougher time. You know, I was thinking when we were preparing for this episode and I was trying to find like the proper point of when to ask this. I'm just going to throw it out there. And what is the balance sometimes of not becoming too dependent on somebody and learning how to stand on your own or, you know, being relational with people because it's not good to be an, a man on an island by himself. But at the same time, it's not good to become like a people pleaser or like dependent on people like. No, you know. I mean, no, that's true. I think the difference here is you don't want to be a people pleaser. You want to you want to have fellowship with other people okay. on an equal footing. And so I think as long as you don't cross over from wanting to be on an equal footing to being, oh, I just don't want to be independent really uh that that's the difference i i think there okay well let's give some de- what's our definition for um loneliness for our episode today yes the, we like to do the dif- dictionary definitions when we have episodes like this so according to webster's the definition of loneliness is a feeling of sadness because one lacks friends or company now our title is called alone together and so I believe that feeling of loneliness is not always a result of physically being alone. I agree. You can you can be in a you can be in a room full of people. And I know I felt this way. You be in a room full of people and still feel alone, yep. or have a huge family and still feel alone. It's that missing connection where you feel as though you're comfortable. You can be yourself. You have someone that you can relate to. I think that's an important aspect to not feeling lonely is having someone that you can relate to in an emotional, mental um, level. Yeah, you can be in a group of you. I've certainly been in many situations where I am in a big group of people and I feel very alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, very feel like the uh, the outsider looking in, uh, especially because these situations they typically involve you know behaviors where maybe you could get into some trouble if you're not careful. Now, is that loneliness sometimes in your mind? You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you've ever played games with yourself where you feel as though you're lonely and like everyone's casting you off, but no one's really doing that. It's all in your mind. Like you're overthinking yourself, overthinking it. Yes. I have in past situations realized this is in my mind and it's it's because I'm not letting myself go all the way even though they don't make me feel excluded. It's, it's just I don't want to do the things that would, you know, make me... A totally part of this fit so it's kind of me withdrawing a little bit in that situation mm-hmm. but it's not like anybody's being rude or ignoring me being mean you know so your loneliness is, is your fault it's self-inflicted i suppose it is <laughs> um of course then maybe one should ask the question what was i doing in that situation in the first place yeah yeah well sometimes you can't avoid it because i know um at my gym and stuff you know i have my teammates and stuff who all come from different walks of life and you know I can't avoid working out with them or being around them sometimes, but there is a balance in making sure you don't like, we always talk about having balance with friends who are ungodly or unequally yoked yeah. where you don't let it influence you and just having those clear balances and stuff. Yeah, that's true enough. So I think that there are actually different types of loneliness that a person, a, a 
griever can experience. I think they boil down into basically three categories. There's a loneliness because of a lack of friends, a loneliness because of a lack of family, or a loneliness because of a lack of a significant other, okay. or somebody they're romantically involved with. And uh, those are the, the three big ones that I think encompass pretty much the whole gambit of feeling lonely. Okay. Uh, well, let's jump into the friendship one first. Now, what is the purpose of friendship? Honestly, when you think about it, what is the purpose of friendship? Oh, it's such a, such a profound question. Because I was thinking about it. Like, what is the purpose of friendship? Especially if you have family. Like, what is, what is, like, what is the purpose of having friends? I had to think about this for a long time before I committed words to our, our notes here. But after thinking about this for quite some time and reading a little bit of scripture, I think that the ultimate purpose of friendship is really to find someone with whom to fellowship with as a believer. Um, and it, it's a strong, strong bond. And I think the model for this is David and Jonathan, and they loved each other like brothers, and they're very close, and they shared burdens and secrets. And, you know, Jonathan was helping David out when his own father, Jonathan's father, King Saul, was hunting David to kill him. And so when you have a really strong friendship, you're there uh when the, each other, you meet each other, you keep that other person's confidence. You know, you can share weaknesses with each other and help build people up and encourage them on their own Christian walk. Someone to have fun with, someone to have fellowship with. And I think that that is the purpose of friendship. Uh, I, what do you think? I agree 100%. <laughs> I put in my notes. It's a, it's a nice break from your family members. <laughs> Especially if you have a big family. It's a nice break from your family members. But I agree. I agree that, you know, the purpose of friendship is to have someone to commune with, someone that you can lean on when you're going through those hard times. Because, you know, sometimes you just don't feel comfortable talking about some things with your parents or your, some things with your brothers or sisters or whoever um, in your family. You just don't feel like, you just don't feel comfortable doing that. And I think friends provide that option to lean on them. And I think, I like the example of you using um david and jonathan because david was going through a hard time and jonathan was going through a hard time seeing his yeah. own father like mentally fall apart yeah and they both encouraged each other to go through and even um paul um he had who was it timothy yes. and other people of the faith who encouraged him when he was going through his trials and his tribulations that helped and i actually think friendships is like a powerful thing here it is two different people from two different walks of life talent skills and all this kind of stuff that they are able to come together and kind of form a bond to help and grow each other to succeed and fulfill different goals and just live life you even see jesus with friendships um in particular with peter james and john uh just last week uh, my church went over the transfiguration when they go up the mountain and Moses and Elijah come down to speak with Jesus, and he brought Peter, James, and John. It's implied that you know they were very close to each other, and I think Scripture even says John is a disciple that Jesus loved. Mm -hmm. um, and so everybody wants to have friends. Exactly. It's very important. It is very important. It's, it, no one wants to be that loner with no one to talk to. I don't care how independent or of a lone wolf you think you are. You need one person to talk to. Yeah, I agree. Now, uh, why is it that we find ourselves sometimes thinking we lack friends? I think actually this loneliness that comes from like a lack of friends can actually be a spiritual attack from the enemy. And, uh, you know, I, I say this because, you know, when I was in school, um, my mom would always say, you know, 
don't don't be fooled. You know, the devil knows that you're a Christian or you come from a sanctified home. So he's going to do everything possible to make you feel as though you're an awkward, you're awkward, ostracized, all this kind of stuff and kind of influence the ungodly kids or the um, worldly kids to like kind of not talk to you, you know, not associate with you, all that kind of stuff, you know, where, you know, you haven't even done anything, haven't even said anything, but yet those people don't like you. I think sometimes it's actually the enemy influencing um, other people to not like you, not just in school, but just in every aspect where you go to work and all this stuff. Cause I know I've gone to um, jobs where people just automatically just don't like me, you know, cause they find out I'm a Christian. I haven't said even two words to them and they just don't like me. And so I think the devil sometimes likes to create this lonely feeling within you or make you kind of feel this lonely atmosphere in order to kind of discourage you and make you feel bad. And it's just a spiritual attack, you know, just to bring you down. Because as we were saying, you know, everyone needs friends. Everyone needs someone to relate to. You know, God has created us to be relational beings and creatures. Even God himself wanted relationships, hence why we have, you know, human beings, mankind here to have relationships and stuff. God is a relational God and we're made in his image. So we have that same desire to relate and to connect with people. So I sometimes I think it's just... Um, um, a demonic attack that comes about it. But also at the same time, I think God sometimes puts us in a lonely place because sometimes you can, you know, in those lonely places, that's when you find God. You know, um, I think about like Abraham and how God had to separate Abraham from all that he knew where he had to go and be lonely kind of in the wilderness and just trusting God. Sometimes we, we're having too many friends where we're distracted and all that. Maybe you were Mr. Popular back in the day. That wasn't me, but maybe that's some one of our listeners who were Mr. or Miss Popular back in the day in school and stuff. And you had all those distractions and you couldn't focus on God. And now God is putting you now in kind of a lonely, quiet place in, in order for you to have that relationship with God and come closer to him so you can finally listen and grow that relationship with him. Because I know I went through that in high school when, during that time period when I was lonely. That was imperative because I had nothing better to do. <laughs> so I built that relationship, that time where people were going out on Friday nights and going to the movies on Saturdays. I spent it reading my Bible, listening to um, sermons, all those kind of stuff. So that's what I did. Yeah, I, I agree with both of those points. And I don't know why I'm going to share what I will after, after that excellent uh, description there. But I think piggybacking off what you said uh, about the devil I agree. I think we live in a secular environment, and at our age, a lot of people seem to engage in sinful behaviors for fun, uh, drinking to excess, doing drugs, engaging in bad media, mm -hmm. strip club, etc. And I think they think it's weird when you don't also participate in these things, and so they're like, oh, that guy, he's like a prude or whatever. Yeah. Not very fun to hang out with, like the the stick in the mud, you know. And you know. I've been called that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I've been called that, you know, like you and I. We don't drink. We're not like this obsessive, like you know, doing drugs or anything like that. And I think it's it's either it's either you have to put those boundaries there with building friendships, or you know, you're you're just going to lose yourself. And I oh, think yeah, so, yeah. sometimes it's not even the people that cast you out to be ostracized. Sometimes they try to influence you and peer pressure you to come in. But yes. sometimes you have to just build up that wall or put that line out there to say, like, I can't do this. And it might require you to go through a season of being lonely and not having someone to relate to and kind of being by yourself where it's just you and Jesus. Yeah, we have to uh, have to be. Well, I think this is where we have to choose our friends mm -hmm. carefully. And we'll talk a little bit more about how do we overcome this lack of friends. In, in a moment. But um, I think also each of these feelings of loneliness comes with an emotional impacts or risk that, okay. that can happen because of this. Uh, I think when somebody, and this is certainly true of my life when I was younger, 
I think being lonely and feeling you don't really have a lot of good friends can lead to discouragement. And you start to ask yourself, why am I trying to follow God when it's no fun? I feel like I'm missing out by abstaining from what everyone else is doing. And they, they seem to be having a very fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you ever like fall back into like doing some bad stuff just to fit in? Not since I became a believer, no. Never? No. Really? Once that, since I became a believer, I have stayed away from these bad things going on. And, you know, I, I will say, I have been to a couple of parties. I, I don't drink there, so I act as designated driver. But I can remember one party, somebody started decided to bring drugs. I left. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be involved with that at all. Well, I'm the same way when it comes to drugs. But I know one time I got really fed up in, like, college and I just really wanted to fit in. It was, it was like that kind of weird time period where I felt like I was by myself, even though you were on campus, but I felt like I was by myself. And I went to a party and just tried to fit in, and I even, um, it just it just didn't work out. I tried to put myself in that environment, but it just didn't work out. I just don't feel comfortable in those environments, really. And, you know, people would try and pressure me, but it's just like, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm here because, you know, I am kind of friends with you. You invited me. I, I don't want to do these things that, that you're doing, and, I can also remember when I was in my freshman year of college and I I had just been, I had just given my life to Christ. And I remember this night, everybody was drinking. And this one guy really aggressively, he held this cup of vodka to me and was like, drink, drink. And he was getting aggressive when I was really? like, telling him no. And finally, I, I guess here, I reverted to a little pre-Christian Alex. And was like, <laughs> stop. yeah. I'm not doing this and get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> so good for you. As it is, these things can happen. But uh, I think on your point, you know, if somebody isn't as strong or maybe stubborn and, and wants to hold to their, their values, this can, this kind of situation can lead to people compromising their morals to gain inclusion. They can cause destructive behaviors. And I think you risk trusting the wrong people who, if you invest too much into them, they will betray you. Mm-hmm. And that just leads to even more hurt, more loneliness, and possibly wrath. And we talked about the dangers of that a few episodes ago. Yeah, and this is important to address these lonely feelings. You know, in our episodes, we like to address those things that people might like to sweep under the rugs or those feelings people like to sweep under the rugs. And so those feelings of loneliness, when you feel like you don't have any friends and you feel like you don't have someone by your side, you need to address those issues and you need to pray to God about it. Because I think another risk you run is it can bring those feelings of sadness and depression. Also, like, you know, it can affect your self-esteem. You start to hate the qualities about yourself because you feel as though there's something wrong with me that people can't relate with or there's something wrong with me that I can't build friendships with. And you start to look down upon yourself because I know I went through that, you know, um, growing up, you know, it's funny now because now I'm athletic, but back in the day. <laughs> oh, it's so, so to, to our audience understands the, uh, when I first met Aven, he was not athletic at all. It was it was really funny, and now he's like this big guy who does fights, and it's just it's a night and day difference. And Before I could... to, you get on me, why did you tell me I was so uh, not uh, in shape back then? And it's a really funny joke. Like back in the us. day, I couldn't even yeah. run. Like the other day, I ran five miles. Like it's a totally different shift but back in the day I just wasn't interested in being athletic or sports or anything like that and you know I couldn't relate to like you know a lot of people because you know they were into sports and that just wasn't me I was in the books I was in the comic books I was into like 
being creative and like kind of the artsy stuff. I was yeah. kind of like, I think, what is it? Left brain, right brain. I'm kind of more of an artsy kind of person. And so sometimes I would hate those qualities about myself. And it took me a long time to really um, fight those evil thoughts to really recognize that, you know, those, those qualities in me is in me because God chose those qualities to put those in me. And so if you let that lonely feeling like overwhelm you and go unaddressed, you can actually start to learn to hate yourself because you feel as though there's something wrong with you that, that blocks you from relating and building friendships. And that's not the case. There's nothing wrong with you. You are made perfectly the way God has made you to be. Yeah, I, I agree. So the question is, how, how do we handle this feeling of loneliness so it doesn't metastasize out of control like you just described? And, and I think there's people out there, and I think we'll address this in future episodes, that, that say, oh, I can do Christianity on my own. Uh, I don't need anybody else with me, and I don't need to go to church. And that's the problem, because the way that you can overcome this feeling alone because of lack of friendship is to go to church, because that is where you're going to find yourself meeting people who share your values, they share your faith, they're on the same wavelength as you, and you can be uh, connected with them much more deeply than you can with these other people, and the risk of the, them making bad decisions and deciding to betray you is less, I mean, not to say you can't have bad people in the church because it happens sometimes, yeah. unfortunately. But the risk is much less if you're trying to grow close to fellow believers versus unbelievers. Um, and your, your fellow believers in Christ, they're not going to ask you to compromise your morals in order to be friends with you. them. They're, they're not going to ask you to join them in sin. They're like you. They're looking for people who share their values, uh, which you do. And they're looking for good friends too. And I just want to uh, read a Proverbs really quickly because I think it is very relevant to this. And so Proverbs 18, 24 says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I certainly think that that is true. Yeah, 100%. And and I've said this in our um, other episodes, um, talking about how to be uh, a 21st century Christian. And I brought up the point that everyone needs to be independently dependent. And I brought up that phrase of learning how to stand on your own two feet. And you brought up this whole thing of, you know, fellowshipping with believers, which is true. But at the same time, you still, especially in our modern world with so much confusion, you still need to kind of, how do I say this? You, you, you have to, you have to grow a pair. Can I say that? <laughs> sure. Can I say that? I mean, we're the ones editing this show. True. Okay. So you have to grow a pair and kind of learn to be independent. You know, my parents were very adamant about us learning how to stand on our own two feet and yes, to want friends and to be relational. But if that isn't there, we aren't going to fall apart. And so, you know, there are some Christians, which I spoke about in previous episodes, there are some Christians that are a little bit loosey-goosey and you don't want to slip on your own morals or get fall into confusion. So that's why I say on how to handle this feeling of loneliness and you're wanting godly friends and you're wanting friends, um, you need to pray for divine connections. And I remember that Joyce Meyer um, always would say that. She would always say, you know, pray for divine connections that God would bring the people to you. Don't you always, don't you always go looking for them? Why don't you just step back and just pray? God, I would like some friends. I pray that you send me some people in my life 
that I can relate to and that who would be a good influence in my life um, for your glory. And I actually did this. And, and the time I did this in high school, I met um, a good Christian friend during that time period. We were good friends for a long time. Uh, we haven't talked in a real long time because, you know, life moves on and he got married and all that kind of stuff and life moves on. And then actually, you know, that's how I met you, Alex. You know, we just so happened yeah. to run into each other. And, you know, we found out that we were both believers and stuff like that. So that's why it's important to pray for div- for divine connections that God would bring you people into your life that are going to be um, good influences. And then in the meantime, learn how to be independent and learn how to stand on your own two feet, which is, I know it's easier said than done, but learn how to stand on your own two feet. I I agree. So uh, the next point uh, that could lead to loneliness is a lack of family. So what is the purpose of family? (laughs) It's another profound question. I was trying to think about this. This is really, really hard. I mean, okay, first, you know, we don't get to choose our families. God chooses what family to put us in. Um, obviously, parents are the people who are supposed to guide and prepare you for life. So, you know, that's the easier question of the purpose of family of your parents. They're supposed to get you ready for life. But here's the harder question of, I really, I mean, the purpose of siblings. I really don't know the purpose of siblings. <laughs> <laughs> Besides, we are just humans with the same genetic DNA in the house together. And we're just under this rule of mom and dad um, under the same house. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the purpose of siblings are, but I think perhaps the purpose of siblings is to be friends, like friends, really close, like brothers, right? Yeah. Friends like brothers, but you actually have a brother. So maybe it should have been uh, brothers are very close, except of course the first two brothers can enable one of them murdered the other forever yes. breaking that uh, bond. So uh, you know, it's a good question, uh, but I agree with you. I think the purpose of the parents is to love and nurture their children, raising them in the world, or the word, not the world. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's the word. And uh, children should respect and learn from their parents on how to be an adult in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and parents and children should love each other. Uh, but I'd say this love is subordinate to loving God. I just thought of something. The purpose of siblings. You know, my siblings, you know, we were all brought up under the word of God. And we all went through the kind of the same problems of like, you know, not, you know, being, you know, having a lot of friends and all those kind of things like we've gone through being pastor kids and stuff. They were there for me to have someone to relate with when I was going through those same problems because they all went through that, too. So they were the friends or the people I could relate to who could help encourage me through those times where I don't feel lonely. So they're your people at home. So you don't feel lonely if you're not having no friends on the outside. So why would people think they have a lack of family or have a family that they don't think is there? And I mean, this is uh, fairly obvious. So the family could be a broken one. Maybe the parents had a divorce. That can certainly lead to uh, feeling like there's a lack of family. Another thing that could happen is if you become a believer and your family's anti-God, they feel betrayed by you becoming a Christian and that can strain the family dynamic because those are who's supposed to love you now end up trying to hurt you in the most vicious of ways because they know you well and they know exactly how to tear you down and they don't agree with your decision to change your life. And I'm very fortunate. I don't know what this feels like because this never happened to me. I've heard it described by other people. It sounds really awful. Mm -hmm. You know, when you were saying that, I was thinking of the scripture that Jesus said, you know, people thought he came to bring peace and he said, no, I came to bring a sword and I came to divide, you know, a father against his son and a daughter against the mother. And it sounds crazy. You know, you would think Jesus came to bring division and came to bring, you know, separation and all that kind of stuff. 
Yes, because, you know, like I said, you know, family is someone that you're close with. You have genetic uh, genetic uh, similarities. You kind of have the same values and people you grew up with in that house. And sometimes you go through that experience of feeling loneliness because you have to separate yourself from your family. This is why I say the love of family is subordinate to love of God, mm-hmm. right? Because ultimately it is through loving God that we are going to continue through this life. And if our family's trying to pull us the wrong way, you have to separate you. Yeah. You've got to make a choice because I would say in my family, we're kind of the black sheep of the overall like extended family. I mean, um, once again, you know, I believe it's God inspired because there's a lot of um, dirty thinking or worldly fleshly secular thinking within my extended family that, you know, sure they go to church on uh, Mother's Day, Easter and Christmas or every blue moon, but there's not, not that dedication to the word. Some of them are, but not all of them. Um, some of them are, but not all of them. But, you know, I think God pulled us out, especially because of our position inside the church being leaders, had to pull us out to focus on him and to grow with him. So it could be God inspired. Like Jesus said, I came to bring a sword to divide. And the same thing I related to like Abraham. Abraham had to leave his family. The God said, leave your father's house, leave all that you know, and come to me for a greater purpose. And sometimes, you know, you know, you're going through that lonely period of like, I'm separated from my family and I feel alone out here and stuff. But you know what? If you keep following God, God will work it out for your good one way or another. Just keep following God. Uh, now, the emotional impact or the risk involved of feeling like you're lonely and cut off from your family. Uh, I, When I was not a believer, I felt this way. It was a warped thinking, but nevertheless, I felt this way anyway. And certainly I thought, you know, I was having feelings of rejection, feelings of deep sorrow. I thought that I'd been rejected by my family who's supposed to love me. And it was one of the worst feelings that I had ever experienced. Uh, and I thought it felt like a personal betrayal. It was really awful. And unfortunately, it led to the embrace of wrath. And fortunately for me, I directed my wrath elsewhere. But if you direct at your family, it can completely destroy whatever bonds with your family you still have left. And it can also lead to self-destructive behaviors if you're not secure in your faith in order to cope with the stress and sorrow, such as falling into alcohol, uh, drugs, sex, all of that stuff. Um, Trying to fulfill those, that, that empty spot yeah, in your heart. And only this, God can fill it. And I feel like those, that empty spot goes more if you have like a missing or broken relationship with your mother or father, especially. Yeah. I feel like that's a real um, kicker right there if you're missing that mother or father relationship. Because, you know, not everyone has brothers. Not everyone has sisters. Actually, my sister-in-law, she doesn't have any siblings. And so... You know, that's just her life. She never had any siblings. But I feel as though if you have a broken relationship, especially with your parents, that could be very hurtful and very damaging to the psyche and to the emotion um, of your emotional state. Yeah, and it stays with people for years. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen and, and talked to people who say, oh, I'm estranged with my dad or I'm estranged with my mom. And yeah, it, it persists for decades mm-hmm. in some cases. And, uh, and, you know, if it's if a divorce happening in the family, uh, something like that, I think that can even cause a believer to totally turn against the faith. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, why, why is God allowing this to happen? And he, he or she questions the character of God. Yeah. And it's, a, it's a demonic attack, I think, ultimately, uh, but it's very dangerous. I mean, like I said, the scripture about Jesus said, I came to bring a sword. It kind of like, it's like, what, God, you want to break up my home? You want to break up my home where I don't relate to the people I, I love? You want to break me up as, you know, I'm the son and you want the relationship broken up? Like, how do you speak to that for believers out there of like, you know, I don't want to be estranged from my family. How can, how can you see the greater picture to encourage them to keep moving on? 
I think that you do your best to love your family in that situation. I, I've never experienced that situation, so I'm just thinking aloud here, to be completely honest. But I would think that you are still going to try and love your family, and the ball is going to be in their court about what they want to do. And if they choose to break off from you because you became a believer, that is on them. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you should be you, – you can be angry, right? Because I would be angry if that happened. It's justifiable. But you don't have to feel guilty, and it is not your fault, and you shouldn't accept blame for this. Uh, but in your anger, don't hold it against them either because they are lost. And think about uh, the eternal consequences of this, right? Like if you make the choice for Christ, you're going to be going in a complete opposite direction of those who are not. And it's actually very sad yeah. if your family decides to cut you off when you're a believer uh, because— the eternal danger is there. You're I going say, the wrong way. I say for my advice for that who for people who have those kind of problems. You know, I read books about people who um, who lost their family when they dedicated themselves to Christ. And I say, you know, I've never experienced this, but I would say to encourage those who are out there who might be experiencing that. I say you keep the extended hand because you could be used to bring them to Christ. But if they want to separate themselves from you, that's on them. There's nothing you can do and you just pray for them, but you always keep that hand open and keep a forgiving heart because you know behind the scenes it's the devil working at hand to lead them further down in darkness. Amen. Uh, so how do we handle this lack of family uh, and loneliness? I think we touched on this some already. Um, again, I think this goes back to the church. If you're a young person, um, maybe you meet somebody who's older than you who has more life experience than you and you can strike up a, a friendship with them and then that friendship can grow and that individual may serve to mentor you and helping you grow more in the faith and even teaching you life skills that could be helpful in the future. Um, what no, do you think? I agree completely. I think, I think the answer is just being connected to the church for all those things that might be missing. You know, I'm actually currently reading the book of Acts and, you know, I'm just amazed on how the, 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 the apostles and the disciples and all the believers back then were so connected with one another that they weren't alone. And this speaks to someone who wants to be a lone wolf and think that they could do it on their own. Like you mentioned, that Christian that says, I don't need anybody I can do it on my own. No, you can't do it on your own. You need to be connected with someone. So if you um, have lost a family because of your decision to be with Christ, the church is the answer. Here now, you might have lost your physical, earthly family, but now that you're in Christ, you have a new spiritual family. You right. have a you have a wider spiritual family of people who's going to be there. So go get yourself connected with a church and open yourself up to that to be connected with one another. Because what I like about what I'm reading in the Book of Acts, I never saw before, and it might be because. You know, this episode was on my mind of just seeing the close relationships the church had with one another. They were there for each other and they had yeah. each other's back. And, you know, they were always, you know, giving to one another, saying, hey, you need to go support your brother. You need to go think about others. It's not just about you. Think about someone else that's going through a trial right now. How do you support and uplift your your brother, sister in Christ? That family, that family atmosphere, which sadly is in every church. Yeah, um, right now, yeah. um, like it was back in the day, but, you know, seek God to lead you to a church that's going to give you that, um, that same closeness so you can have that personal touch uh, with people. All right. And so here we come to our last point, the lack of a significant other. Oh, man. To loneliness. <laughs> I think both you and I can uh, speak from personal experience about this. Yes. Uh, so what is the purpose of relationship of marriage? 
Uh, what do you think? Well, marriage is a union, you know, describing the Bible as a holy union from God. It is an ordained union union with the intention that these two people will come together, have children, build a family, and from there, you know, keep the population growing, you know, from there. And these two people build and help each other up in fulfilling the calling for their life. So a marriage is about love of two people coming together and um, building a covenant with one another that they're going to be faithful to one another, they're going to love one another and be, you know, support one another. And it's the helpmate. You know, God gave Eve to Adam as a helpmate for his calling um, to fulfill on earth. You know, God gave Adam instructions on what he was supposed to do on earth. And he said, it's not good that man should be alone. So what did God do? He gave him a wife to help fulfill his calling. So that's to me is the purpose of marriage and having that intimate relationship with somebody. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that this relationship also models the one between God and the church, right? Mm-hmm. The church is the bride of Christ, and we're supposed to be in union with God. Um, and this allows for companionship and intimacy, uh, which is a, a higher level than it would be in like a friendship or with family members. Exactly. Why does it occur that we feel lonely due to lack of relationships? I can speak very intimately about this. Uh, We are called to be equally yoked as Christians, and so when it comes to dating, we have to be selective of who we choose to be with. And certainly where you and I live, that makes the dating pool small. Uh, So to keep in mind, the other person is also looking for certain traits as well, and that can lead to a long string of things not working out, or maybe even personal rejections, which are uh, very difficult. So we're, I want to speak to that whole part of the, the unequally yoked part, because that speaks to one on the first step of being a believer. Yes. That you find you someone that's a believer. So for me, I'm always picky in that area. As I, am I. I think I, I, think I shared with um, in a couple episodes about the girl in um, college that you were upset about oh, that yes, yes, wasn't yes. a believer. And <laughs> I thought it could work out. And uh, I told you that was a bad idea. And it was. And so, um, so now, you know, loneliness in this area can come as a result. It's not so much me being picky, but it's me being obedient. Yes. Because God's word being does patient. say for me to yeah. find someone of the same faith. And then even with that, when I've gone on dates, um, I have found that some of the women are not, how do I say it, on the same spiritual level. And I wouldn't even say the same spiritual level. They don't believe in certain basic explicit laws i'll just be frank there was one girl who said there's no problem with sleeping with one another and you're not married yeah these are people who are (laughs) i think nominal christians christians in name only so i've run into that in a sense of like we're not on the same page on different values on different things and so i have to create a protection um, boundaries within myself so i don't become unequally yoked and find myself falling down into losing or losing my ground at my spiritual level. So I think that's a result sometimes of lacking in that relationship, especially in our, our situations. Cause you know, we, we go on dates and then it's just, it doesn't work out. And yeah. Well, I mean, but, but it is important as you said, because if you ignore this, if you decide you're going to go forward with this anyway, because I, and this is part of the risk and emotional state, by the way, the risk here is that you go forward with this that bad relationship, this unequally yoked relationship, because you're frustrated. You're frustrated with the opposite sex for not liking me. You're frustrated with God for not allowing me to right, meet the right person. And you're like, I, I'm just going to do it, right? You're impatient. You're not wanting to wait for God because you feel like you're missing out or something. Um, and so the risk here 
is that if you go after this, you say, screw it, and you find yeah. someone to be with who's not going to be good for you, this leads to sexual immorality at, at the very least, I think. And it might lead to a lot of other things as well. So in this scenario, my personal observation has been that Christians who do this turn away from God. And I have never personally known any believer who has done this being able to bring the other person in that relationship to God. I'm not saying this doesn't happen. But it's rare. It's It seems rare. And I personally don't know anyone who has been able to succeed in this. It's always been the opposite way. That believer turns away from God and then becomes part of the world. Uh, so the relationship's toxic. It damages relationships with friends, family, and God. And another uh, risk of this is if you go through a bunch of these personal rejections, you start to have, as you said, lack of friends. For me, it's more lack of relationships that causes the feelings of self-doubt, leading to questions of, am I defective in some way? Why does nobody like me? Do I need to make dramatic changes to fix this mm -hmm. uh, and start hating who you are? That hasn't quite gotten to that point. But certainly I have uh, asked myself, why does nobody like me? But uh, no, I agree. Yeah. I think I think the risk you run of letting these feelings of loneliness go unaddressed and not addressing it. And I think that's, a, that's the thing we need to address, like those bad feelings that we have on our inside on those those evil thoughts that the devil th throws at us. You need to address that. So if you have those evil thoughts thrown at you, you know, saying you're so lonely, you should just compromise. You need to address that. And the risk you run of not addressing it is that it builds in your mind, it builds in your spirit, and then it can lead you like you were saying to to make wrong decisions and that you lose yourself and you compromise your morals in order to have what you want, you know, to have that husband or to have that wife. And honestly, it's like, do you really want, do you want that spouse, but you lost yourself? You know what I'm saying? Is that a fair trade-off? And, you know, like you said, you know, you can slip into fornication. That's not the only thing, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it happen where one person, you know, finds a significant other. And so the significant other is a Christian you know, is a so-so Christian. The man is a so-so Christian and the woman, she was a dedicated Christian, you know, stayed hardcore in the church and, but she was so desperate to find a husband. She just gave into this husband that really wasn't the best for her. And it was really obvious wasn't the best for her because they weren't on the same length and she compromised it and you just knew it wasn't God's best settling for yeah. settling when you knew that wasn't the best that God had for you. And it actually made her slip out of church. Yeah. where she wasn't no longer committed. I'm sure she might say she still believes in Jesus, but that commitment level is no longer at the same place that it was. And that, that man has now drug her down, but you know, they're it's now not equally yoked. It's mm -hmm. not equally yoked. This is what happens. Yeah. So you have to be careful. So, you know, and go on. Oh, no, no. Uh, no, I was going to say it's important. It's important to have those boundaries. You know, we're talking about loneliness and we're talking about all those things. And sometimes the boundaries that you set to protect yourself is a result. That loneliness is a result. I protect myself to keep myself from falling into sin and falling out of the faith, you know? So if it causes me to not have friends or not be invited to the party in the long run, it's going to be worth it. If I have to wait in a long time to find that significant other in order to maintain my relationship with Christ, that's the important thing. Christ is number one. Maintaining that relationship is number, number one. If you don't have that relationship with God as primary, all the other relationships, ain't worth it and it's not going to work out so i agree with that and so how do we handle this these feelings of loneliness that come from lack of a significant other or romantic relationship i don't think this is tough i think one way to handle it and i think first you just 
Just pray and trust God. You pray and trust God that, you know, hey, you know, I would want a significant other as me being a male. I, hey, I want a female. I want a wife. And so I'm trusting in you to bring the divine connection together because I've know I've seen it in the word where God is the perfect matchmaker. You know, he brought Rebecca to Isaac. He brought um, Abraham to with Sarah. He brought Eve to Adam. Ruth I mean, to Boaz. Yeah, so God is yeah. good at matchmaking. So God, I'm trusting in you. And God, it's your will that man finds a wife or a woman gets a husband and that we come together, you know, and come in union. And I think also how to handle this in that time of being single, I'm, I think it's important for you to first learn to love yourself, like really love being by yourself and loving who you are as an individual. And I think it's really important not to throw yourself on like your importance depends on having somebody else. My importance doesn't depend on anybody else. I know I'm important whether I'm single in a relationship. I'm still Avon. I'm still, I still matter. I'm still important. So whether I'm with someone or not, isn't going to fluctuate my self-esteem. Yeah, I, I think for me, what I remember here is my happiness is in God. It should not be dictated by other people. And the fact of the matter is, you might say, you know, you feel alone, but you're really, you're not. You're not. And you never are alone as a believer. As many, many scriptures uh, will tell you. So we have Deuteronomy 31.6, which says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. You have Isaiah 41.10. says, do not fear, for I am with you. You have Psalm 27.10, which says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And there is Matthew 28.20, 20, uh, which says, uh, this is from Jesus, that I am with you always to the very end of the age. So these are the kinds of scriptures that I fall back on and tell myself when I get these feelings of loneliness. I said, I'm not alone. God is with me. Uh, and he's always with us. We have the spirit within us, so he indwells us as well. And uh, in Matthew 24, uh, 12, uh, you know, he says this. So he says that because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And that is the other thing to hold on to. Despite all these feelings of loneliness, despite the world wanting to take you down with it, uh, you stand firm in Christ. He is our rock, mm -hmm. or at least he should be, and we who stand firm in him to the end will be saved. We will be delivered. Uh, and we've talked a little bit about this fallacy already, but these feelings of loneliness, loneliness are coming from the devil. We've talked about that. He wants you to be alone. He wants to, you to feel cut off. He wants you to be sad and discouraged and angry. He is the lion prowling around, waiting to steal and kill and destroy and devour you. Uh, and, a, and a Christian who experiences all these negative feelings, they're not going to be very effective for God, I don't think. I certainly wasn't very effective when I was going through a lot of this back in grad school. And that's a win in Satan's book. Because if he can make you an ineffectual Christian, maybe, maybe he doesn't succeed in severing your faith. Uh, but the next best thing for him is to succeed in sidelining you from engaging the world. And slowing you down, yeah. Making yeah. you kind of, um, make you ostracize yourself away from the group. And one thing I just want to say um, that came to my memory is, you know, you're talking about that God is always with us. And, you know, some people might say, you know, we hear that all the time, but I don't feel like God is with us. You know, I would say about my relationship with God, and ever since, like, I've started building that, I talk to God 
like he, I mean, he is like, he's literally standing right there where I can see him physically. I do too. I talk to him like he's there. And I will say, if you open yourself up to that, God will commune with you and he will speak to your heart and he will speak to your spirit and stuff like that. And remember that the Bible says in the book of Colossians that we are complete in Christ. In Christ, we are complete. So if you have Christ, you have everything. You are not incomplete because you don't have a spouse. You're not incomplete because you're not Mr. Popular or Miss Popular. You're not complete, you know, not incomplete if you don't have that family member backing you up anymore. You know, you might be missing those things. Yes, you might be missing those things. But if you have Christ, you are now complete. So I just want to encourage our brothers and sisters not to be distracted of if I don't have these key people in my life, I'm incomplete because that's not true. If you're in Christ, Christ is with you and you are now complete and you can move forward in life and be independent and stand um, with Christ, backing you up and live a life of joy, peace, and happiness and keep moving forward and not be brought down by that depression of loneliness and that lonely feeling. You can still move forward in your complete, in your completeness in Christ. And on that note, I think we'll conclude here. All right. Uh, it is easy to become lonely and think we're the only one still living for Christ. We might question why we're doing this. We may experience rejection from others, including friends, family, and significant others for following Christ. These feelings of discouragement and despair and the idea that you're going to forever be alone are a lie from Satan to make you ineffective for God. God's home, the church, is a place to go to meet fellow brothers and sisters with Christ who share your values. They can help ground you in your faith and gain valuable teaching there and mentoring that helps you grow in your faith and be better equipped to dispatch Satan and his evil schemes. God himself loves you so much so that he died for you and his spirit lives within you as a believer. He will never forsake you or abandon you. When all else fails, remember that he is there for you as Psalm 68, uh, 5, 6 tells us. And uh, a father, he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families and that is what we need to hold on to. So I hope our listening audience enjoyed listening to this week's episode of The Paradigm Switch. We are on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Like, follow, and share. We are the number one Christian podcast on earth and heaven's favorite podcasters. So it's time we learn how to think right side up. And next week, we will discuss the black, the white, and the gray of Christianity.